Hey guys, it's David here, back with another episode of the Cerebral Palsy and Fitness Podcast. And today I have the handicapped hero, the motivational speaker, the professional wrestler, Gregory Iron, on the show. Welcome. Hello. Thanks for having me, David. And I'm excited to talk about him, to learn about his his uh, his life a little bit, how he grew up with cerebral palsy, how he got into re- the wrestling business, and I'm definitely excited to learn how you've how you've used wrestling to motivate others outside of the profession itself. So yeah, feel free to share some of your story. Yeah, man, it's, we're gonna have a good time. I'm pumped that we got to do this, and and also happy belated birthday. Thank thank you so much uh, to my to my listeners out there. It's actually thirty, so I'm getting up there. Oh you man! Once you turn thirty, you go downhill. Yeah, that's what they say. But once you turn thirty, you know it's not so bad. I remember when I turned thirty, I was I was real anxious about it leading up to it, and I remember I had my girlfriend at the time do a photo shoot of me just to make my uh, like to to prove to myself that I'm in good shape for a thirty year old man and uh, all this ridiculous stuff. And then thirty came, and I was like, I feel the same. And now at thirty four, I'm like. I don't know. I, th- I feel like my best years ha- are ahead of me. You know what I mean? Like I would never go back to my twenties. It was a, it was a great learning experience, but uh, being 34, I'm, I'm pretty happy with who I am right now. That is awesome. What was it like, um, I guess, growing up for you with uh, cerebral palsy? Was it, did you find it difficult at certain points, you know, at school or just um, making friends or just life in general? So before I got into school, I really didn't think I was much different than anybody else. I just, I mean, I knew I had this disability at the time when I was uh, before school, really, I was just told that I had a stroke when I was born. No one specifically said cerebral palsy. And all I knew was because I had a stroke when I was born, my hand didn't work properly, but my grandma who actually got me into wrestling, she was also pretty religious. And she would often tell me, Uh, you know, if you just pray every night before you go to bed, your hand will get better. And so I did that on a regular basis because I thought, you know, if I, if I pray, it'll, it'll get better. Right. And so I I liked the same things any other kid liked Ninja Turtles, uh, you know, uh, video games. I love playing Super Nintendo and I loved writing and drawing. And I actually thought I was going to be a cartoonist before I even considered being a professional wrestler. But the one thing that I loved more than anything was professional wrestling. Uh, there was something that sucked me in that uh, I think it was a larger life characters. And I was just a normal kid, pretty happy kid. Uh, my parents weren't always the greatest. They were at odds. A lot of the time, my mom was heavily addicted to drugs. My dad had problems with alcoholism at the time. So there was a lot of verbal and physical abuse between them that I had to witness. But outside of that, I didn't think I was an abnormal kid. And it wasn't until I got into school when kids started to poke fun at me and call me names and stuff that I, uh, you know, I dealt with the bullying and I realized that maybe I am different, but I try to be mentally positive about all that. And one thing that kept me positive was professional wrestling and getting lost in these larger life characters every Sunday morning on superstars or Monday night. If I watched raw, uh, it wasn't until a situation where my mom who had been in and out of jail had a warrant for her arrest. She got arrested. I ended up moving from Cleveland where I was born to a little town called Wellington with my aunt and uncle. And when that happened, my aunt and uncle also being very religious, but ignorant to what I had, 
again, I just think I have a stroke. Uh, they say, well, let's take you to the doctor so, we've, so we can get your hand fixed. And so we schedule this doctor appointment and I go to the doctor and, you know, the doctor does a regular physical on me and he goes, well, you have cerebral palsy and, you know, obviously that's an issue with your brain. So unless we can figure out a way to fix your brain, you're always going to be like this. And I remember being like, oh, okay. And then I went out to my uncle's truck and I'm, you know, I think I'm like 10 or 11 and I just started crying because it was the first moment in my life that I had this realization that no matter how much I prayed or hoped, um, I would always be this way. And so I had this worry and fear that I was always going to be picked on and made fun of and be looked at as different. And so that created a very angsty young Gregory Iron. And um, I don't know, I like I never got into drugs or alcohol or anything like that, just because I saw what it did to my parents. So I was really I'd, I'd get really lost in my music. You know, I was always deep in my headphones and uh, based on my love for wrestling, I got into a lot of new metal. So there was a lot of angry lyrics that I could relate to at that time of my life. And uh, even to this day, I, I still go back to some of those old new metal songs and um, it brings me back to that place in my, in my life. And it's not necessarily a bad thing sometimes because I think you have to remember where you came from to appreciate where you're at. And um, yeah, you know, high school was also tough for me, but I, I started to find the humor in my situation and I started to find my own sense of humor. And in that, I think I was able to cope with my disability a little better and poke fun at it because I love telling jokes and everything. And I figured if I can make fun of my disability better than anybody else, nobody could ever make fun of me if I'm the best at it, right? So I'd always beat people to the punch and that's kind of how I dealt with it. And then at some point, I don't know why or when David, but uh, I just started to think with the mindset, look, I'm going to be like this my whole life and nothing that I can do will change it. So I have two choices. I can continue to be angry and pissed off and just drowning in self-loathing, or I can take what I have and I can see if I can make the best of it. And I don't know. I like to think that I've done pretty okay for myself. You know, I'm always trying to improve and get better, but I started lifting weights and I was really driven on just maybe possibly being a part of professional wrestling. And that's what kept me positive. So that was a long winded answer, but uh, to answer your question, it wasn't easy being a kid. And I'm sure you can, you can agree with that, David. Oh no. So um, I feel like by what you kind of uh, explained to me a little bit, is you, you found that balance, that self-acceptance uh, of cerebral palsy, so to say, or our disability, so to say, in professional wrestling. It kind of helped bring it all together and to, to realize you've only got, you've only got one, you've only got one body, you know, and you've only, there's only one you, you know, you're unique. Yeah. Take advantage of the situation. Yeah. You know, be, be happy with yourself. For sure. You know, and, and that's really, again, you can't change who you are. So you have to embrace it and you have to make the most of it. And I also, again, this, this goes back to what I was saying when we started the podcast, me not going back to my twenties, I wouldn't go back to my, uh, 
teenage years or my my childlike years, I appreciate those experiences, good and bad. It shaped who I was. I wouldn't change any of that, um, but I wouldn't want to go back because I really love and appreciate who I am right now. And you know, it's just one of those situations where. Uh, I'm okay with being unique and different. Like, I don't even know and understand why I wanted to be like everybody else because who cares about someone that just blends in with the crowd? I mean, if that's your thing, if you just want to blend in, cool. But I'm okay with being unique and standing out and uh, being someone different. Because if, if everyone's the same, that's just so boring. How How... In regards to that, how difficult was it for you to enter the professional wrestling business? I mean, you were you were relatively young. You were still in high school, right, when you started training? It was right after I graduated. So I was – well, I started going to shows when I was 18, and then uh, I was sort of nervous about entering the wrestling school in Cleveland. That would be the Cleveland All, Rest, All Pro Wrestling Training Academy. And I don't know. Like, I wanted to be a wrestler, but I was still sort of scared. There was this – feeling in me that you know what if I go down in this basement in this old school in which the ring was set up and I try to wrestle and I'm not good at it am I going to view wrestling different am I going to hate it and just that idea of potentially hating wrestling really consumed me because it was the one thing that always kept me motivated and driven however every time I go to a WWE event or an independent wrestling match there was that point when I was 18 years old where I'd be sitting in the crowd and I'd get there and I'd be enjoying the show. And then about halfway through, I'd get this feeling as I was looking in the ring of like sadness because I would envision myself in the ring. And I just knew that I had to at least try because I didn't want to look back when I was in my thirties or forties in regret because I felt as painful as it would be to potentially be terrible at wrestling, I think it would be much more terrible to never know what if. So I took my money. I went down in that basement uh, in April of 2006. I did a tryout for 50 bucks. And with a tryout, you just get your ass beat for a couple hours. And if you're into that, you keep coming back. Right. And, and uh, for some reason, I was very much into getting beat up. And I came back and uh, – I, I would go every Tuesday and Thursday and get beat up and uh, it was painful for sure. And I'd go home and I'd walk up and down the stairs like an old man wondering, geez, does this ever get better? Uh, but I don't know. There was never in, anything in me that would tell me to quit. So I just kept going. And so it wasn't hard to break in because luckily for me, as long as you had money at the school I was going to, they were going to let you train. And so I kept coming back and just like, no one ever told me to get a doctor's note or anything like that. No one questioned how bad my disability was, which in retrospect, maybe that should have been a thing. Not that I've, I have severe, severe cerebral palsy, but you know, I've had uh, young men and women over the years reach out to me because of various disabilities and say, well, I want to be a pro wrestler. And then they tell me, but I have shunts in my head or, you know, um, just, you know, they're in a wheelchair. And, and so like, look, I, I will never tell anybody to not follow their dream, but there are people that will take advantage of you. And I think you exactly. should consult a doctor if you're going to enter professional wrestling with a disability. And I think you should really, uh, you should know your limitations, right? Like if wrestling is in your heart, you don't necessarily have to be in the ring. And I realized that pretty quickly. If I wouldn't have been good at professional wrestling, 
I at least had my foot in the door and I would have found another way to be a part of it, whether it had been a writer or a commentator, which I originally wanted to do in professional wrestling or doing something in a backstage capacity. I would have found a way to ignite my passion. It just wouldn't have been in the ring. So that's sort of a little piece of advice to throw in there for anybody with a disability that wants to be a performer. Don't just settle for being a performer. There are other things that you can do that doesn't involve the physicality and you can still utilize your passion. Yeah, I mean, it's... It's all about, like you said, it's all about your limitations. And I, I get it. We all have we all have dreams and aspirations and we want to pursue them. But sometimes you have to sit back and be realistic. You know, is it really is it really worth the risk to be injured knowing that I really uh, I really can't do something like this? Or if I can, am I willing to put in the work a thousand percent to achieve that goal? Because I myself, I'm a former three sport athlete, a three times state champion and cyclist. And I had to retire due to injuries. So oh, I, I know what it's like. Yeah, that's awesome. And, and like, it's just awesome to hear that again, you didn't let your disability stop you from going out there and doing something. I'm sure I don't even have to really ask you. I'm positive that someone probably questioned your will to go out there and do those things. Am I right? Oh yeah. All the time. Exactly. And you went out and did it because like, I don't know, sometimes, uh, sometimes you have to listen to your heart rather than your mind. And, and again, like uh, I'm not telling anybody out there with a disability to not try. Definitely try and uh, seek out those things that you want to do, but also do it within the safety of the situation because uh, you don't want to be in a worse predicament than you're already in. You, the, the first and foremost importance is your physical well-being. And then uh, to transition to a little bit to, I guess, your motivational speaking, how does that tie into your uh, professional wrestling as far as how do you use professional wrestling to motivate others to pursue their dreams? I think plain and simple, David, I use professional wrestling to motivate others towards their dreams just because I am a guy that you look at and you don't think should be a professional wrestler. I think I'm kind of physically unopposing when I walk into your school to do a speaking engagement, and especially if uh, the kids don't know what my profession is. I think when I walk into a room, you don't say professional wrestler. I don't fit the mold of your prototypical television professional wrestler. I'm not over six feet tall. I'm not 275 pounds. Uh, I do have some decent muscles, but if I'm wearing a shirt, uh, I don't know if you could tell that sometimes. So I'm, I'm not what you would look at and say, that guy's a professional wrestler. And I think just the fact that not only am I a professional wrestler, but I'm doing this with one functioning arm. Technically, the whole right side of my body is messed up. Same but I mean, yeah, there you go. See, we can relate. Uh, just having the whole right side of my body messed up and I'm still going out there and do it. I think that is inspiring to kids. And that's how I use wrestling, because I think when I got into wrestling, my mindset was, you know, F everybody that ever told me I couldn't do this, I'm going to prove you wrong. But as I progressed within professional wrestling, the thing that I realized that I never thought about was, you know, when I watched professional wrestling, not only was I drawn to the larger than life characters, but there were so many of those characters and performers that motivated me to keep going and hearing elements of their story pushed me closer to following my dream and made me you know, when I was in my darkest days, they helped me see the light at the end of the tunnel. So being able to be so vulnerable and share my story, the things that I went through, not only with my disability, but 
with my childhood, with my parents, to be able to share those stories and then have kids or adults walk up to me at shows and go, man, you're an inspiration. It was overwhelming to, to sort of realize that I was slowly becoming someone much like the guys that I wanted to emulate from television and be like. And so when I got the opportunity to start speaking in schools, I quickly realized that I get to be the guy that I wish came into my school when I was eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. The guy that when he talks to me, I could look at him and go, man, this guy's doing what he wants to do. Why can't I? Like if that would have happened to me in school, that might've been a big game changer. Maybe I would have gotten to this mindset a lot quicker. And so being able to use not only my pro wrestling, but my life experiences to impact children and young adults in a positive way. It's the only thing that I've ever done in my life that makes me feel as good as professional wrestling. So it's, it's nice that not only did I find something that I was passionate about and sort of what I feel is my calling in professional wrestling, it's pretty cool to find a second gig that I find just as fulfilling and rewarding. I love it. I mean, the, the one of the things that I, I've admired about you is you can play both roles really well. You can play a face and just, just sell the heck out of it and a heel. And I've seen you be a heel sometimes watching, watching your YouTube videos. And I'm like, this dude can really get some heat. You know, he can <laughs> yeah. really get people to hate him. And it's, yeah. it's, it's incredible. Thank you. Well, you know, that, that comes from a place of anger, you know, like it, it comes from, and again, David, you probably know, uh, being someone with a disability, I think oftentimes people look at you as just that, as someone with a disability. Like, I think I'll forever be looked at at first glance as the pro wrestler with cerebral palsy, but I don't view myself in that vein. I am a pro wrestler that just happens to have cerebral palsy. You know what I'm saying? Like, like you, exactly. you, you don't, you don't sign an African-American guy and you go, Oh, mm -hmm. he's the African-American wrestler. No, he's a wrestler that is also African-American. And so uh, in being a professional wrestler, uh, I can look back at those moments in my childhood when it was first pitched to me to be a bad guy. No one thought I could do it because who, who can boo the guy with a disability, but I go back to my childhood and I think of all those times that I was bullied by a guy who would usually be smelly or fat and just uh, he maybe one eye went this way and one eye went that way. And uh, maybe maybe he wasn't the best looking fellow in the world. Maybe he wasn't the most intelligent guy in the world. And I would think to myself, where does this guy get off making fun of me? And and so I would I would make fun of that guy tenfold, especially when I started lifting weights. And I go, wait a minute, you're picking on me because I have a messed up hand. But why is it that I'm in better shape than you'll ever be? And so when I go back to that mindset, I figured I can take everything inspiring about the Gregory Iron character and I can flip it by incorporating real elements and experiences. And I think the best wrestling characters are the ones that have traits that they can relate to. And when you bring that out and you say those things to the public, if you believe what you're saying, then the fans will believe what you're saying and they'll buy into it. And so, I mean, there were times where uh, guys in the crowd would wait after the show to fight me in the parking lot. And here I am, what? this five foot, yeah, this five foot four guy with cerebral palsy uh, who was once a beloved babyface, And now they're waiting to destroy me. I think there's a video on, yeah, on YouTube where it's got like over a hundred thousand views. Some guy tried to fight me. I was, I was entering a building for real. It, it's, oh, uh, it's gotten wild, but, that just goes to show too that we live in an era where everybody says kayfabe is dead. But if you create a character that again has an element of realism, 
people will get emotionally invested and they will suspend their disbelief and they will want to beat the crap out of you if you're doing your job right. Yeah, that's, I mean, I mean, like, like you said, as long as you like, you, you've perfected your craft over years. So you obviously know how to um, switch from face to heel and how to kind of execute it perfectly to the point where people can, it's not believable to people. Like they'll, they'll, they'll see you as a heel all the time, but they don't realize that you're just, you're, you're human too. You know, they just think that, Oh, this guy's always, always an a-hole and you know, he acts a certain way and he's like that outside the ring too. No, that's not the case, you know? Yeah. But, but I'm okay with them thinking that if I want them to buy into the character, that's fine. Exactly. You want them to, <laughs> you want to sell the character. So that way, you know, when you go into your matches or anything that you do, it'll, it brings you more credibility in a sense. Absolutely. You got, got exactly right, David. Um, so, so with, with uh, everything that we've kind of discussed, I mean, you've been, you're also into podcasting. You've been to that the last couple of years, right? I've listened to a couple of your episodes. So they're pretty, they're really good. Thank you. Yeah, I've been doing it since I believe the end of 2019, September of 2019. Uh, I did Stone Cold Steve Austin's podcast three times and I struck up a friendship with Stone Cold. And after our first episode together, uh, we were talking on the phone and he told me that the feedback that he got from our podcast was that people were saying that he, I should be re- interviewing him. And he thought, he said, do you ever think about doing your own podcast? And I said, no, everybody has a podcast. I don't know if I want to do that. And he said, well, maybe it's something you should consider. And that was in 2018. And so I let it simmer for about a year and I had someone invest in some podcast equipment for me. And once I had the equipment, you know, I had no choice but to podcast. So I said, why not give this a shot? And uh, I'm glad that I started doing it. And I think the timing of it was sort of perfect because the pandemic started and there wasn't a lot of shows. And so it became this creative outlet for me to express myself and my passion for wrestling and keep my fans engaged. And also, you know, with Patreon and sponsorship, I still was able to bring in a a decent amount of income. So I was very happy about that. And uh, it's a, it's a growing community. You know, it's uh, people are always worried about creating content. And I'm putting out content every Wednesday on iTunes and all other platforms that you download podcasts on. But I think the cool thing about the Patreon, which is patreon.com slash Iron Wrestling, is it's a community. It's not about the content because there's uh, just about 70 subscribers right now. And that doesn't sound like a lot, but, you know, I talk to these guys almost daily and they've really became a support system. And they went from fans very quickly to friends. You know, we follow each other on social media and uh, I try to stay engaged with them. And we have Zoom chats once a month and it's just it's really fun, man. And I think that's what wrestling's all about. It's about fun. And I'm glad that I could create this little community in which we could all bond with each other and stay positive through all of the weirdness in the world. It's been a beautiful thing. Awesome. Awesome. And then uh, I guess I've always wanted to ask this because I've always wondered, have you ever, I mean, has anybody, has any major company reached out to you? I mean, WWE, New Japan, to sign you because I've I've always I've always wanted to see you in that big stage because you you have worked so hard to get to where you're at today. You well, know? I appreciate that. I appreciate that. I I've had um I had a couple tryouts back in the day when WWE worked worked with OVW and those that was a situation where you could back in those days you could pay for tryouts because in my head 
I wasn't sure WWE was just going to ever try to sign me. And so I figured, why not put my story right in front of them and invest in myself? And so two years in a row, I did that. And I wrestled in front of Mark Henry one year and I wrestled in front of Johnny Ace the next year. And I made a sales pitch and I had a little bit of communication with Johnny Ace and never went anywhere. There was a time where back in 2011, as a publicity stunt, I working with Mike Quackenbush from Chikara and David Lagana, who used to be a writer for WWE and then did stuff for the NWA recently. And at, at the time worked for impact, we did this publicity stunt where uh, I was going to enter the Royal rumble. And uh, I cut this promo and it went on YouTube basically where I said, Hey, everybody's journey to the WWE starts at the Royal rumble. And my dream is to wrestle WrestleMania. And I can't do that unless I'm in the Royal rumble. And if I can win the Royal rumble, maybe I can go to WrestleMania and I can live my dream. And that got a lot of buzz. It ended, get, ended up getting me on Fox news in New York city. And uh, at the time, and I haven't started saying this until recently, Dave Lagana told me his goal was to get me a job with WWE while working for impact, which I felt was really strange. And um, supposedly, according to uh, the dirt sheets at the time, Dave Meltzer said that, um, and I don't know if this is true because I never heard anything, but he, he, they, he said that uh, Gregory Iron made people in WWE feel like that I put their back against the wall. And I never heard any contact, but I had a lot of people from WWE retweeting my petition, and I gained a lot of friends from WWE because of that. Around the same time, maybe about a year later, uh, Lagana told me that there was going to be uh, situation with me and impact and when they started doing the tna gut check he specifically told me in an email that the gut check was designed to help bring me in which i found interesting and it got to the point where uh shima zion at the time who then became djz who is now uh joaquin wild in nxt one day he messaged me on facebook and he said hey man congratulations and i said why and he said, didn't you get signed to Impact? And I said, no. And he said, oh, well, uh, you didn't hear this from me, but I heard Lagana and Jeff Jarrett and a couple people talking about you. And they were pitching a storyline where Crimson is beating up. And this is what I was told. Crimson is beating up people with disabilities. And then he, you end up coming in and you have a thing with Crimson. Oh, and man. something happens where you beat him and you get a job. I then reached out to Lagana, who I hadn't heard from in months, and he never replied to me and nothing ever happened. But then years later, I did a show with Jeff Jarrett and Jeff Jarrett walked up to me. And it was one of those things where you don't believe it until you hear it. And Jeff Jarrett walked up to me and he started talking to me. And we were in this big locker room in New Jersey. And it was just literally me and Jeff Jarrett which is a surreal thing. And he's talking to me. And at the time he was doing global force. And I said, Hey, if you ever need uh, a couple of uh, disabled wrestlers, me and Zach Allen will be great for global force, this new brand you're building. And he said like, Oh yeah, I've seen a bunch of your work before. And I said, really? And he said, yeah, Dave Lagana showed me it back in the day. And I, I saw the CM Punk thing that you did. And I saw this and this, and he was like rattling off things that I did. And it was like sort of mind boggling. So, um, I've, I've gotten connections over the years and uh, I've talked with people sporadically. There's other situations in the past couple of years that I can think of too, that I won't go into, but um, I always feel like I'm so close yet so far away, David. Yeah. And, and now uh, we're at a situation where 
Uh, the landscape of wrestling has changed over the last couple of years. They're really hammering down on signing smaller guys and giving smaller guys an opportunity. NXT has been a great stage for people. AEW has been a great stage for people. So the possibilities are endless. I'm only 34. I'm still young. I used to think once I became 30 that my days as a inspirational disabled athlete were over because who wants to invest in a disabled athlete that's not in his 20s anymore. So that was another concern when I was turning 30, but I realized 34 is still young and I think there's still time. And even if it's not in the ring, I feel like I can contribute in some form or fashion, but my first love is wrestling. It would be nice to be in a video game and have an action figure and all that cool stuff. So David, we'll see what happens. We'll see what the future holds. Definitely. I'm, I'm excited. And, and um, just to kind of wrap this up, because I know you're, you're on a, you're on a tight schedule. Um, yes. Where, where can, where can, I guess my audience find your podcast and I guess yourself to kind of learn more about you. Well, you could find me on social media at Gregory Iron on Twitter. You could find me at Gregory underscore Iron on Instagram. I'm on Facebook too, but that's usually for a lot of old people. I don't get much activity on the Facebook, <laughs> but I have a lot of followers on there. So if you want to follow me or friend me, that's cool. If you want to book me for pro wrestling, pro wrestling seminars, motivational speaking engagements in person or via Zoom, you can con contact me at Gregory underscore Iron at yahoo.com or just DM me on one of my social media platforms. And of course, I'm creating content each and every week on Patreon, patreon.com slash Wrestling. You can get all of the bonus content that I create over there starting at just three bucks. I follow you back on social media so we can DM directly. And then there's a bunch of tiers too where you can be involved with the Zoom calls. You can pick a bonus podcast subject. I'll mail you stuff every other month. You can even be in studio with me and my co-host Aaron Bauer and, uh, have the conversation with us about whatever you want to talk about. So that's a pretty cool thing. And of course, if you just want to listen to the podcast for free, that drops every Wednesday on iTunes or wherever you download podcasts, it's iron on wrestling with Gregory iron. And we've got some great interviews in the archives. We've got episodes with stone cold, Steve Austin, Johnny Gargano, Kimberly, Dan Housen, Effie, Kurt Stallion. Did I say Kurt Stallion? I don't know what I'm saying anymore. There's so many interviews there. We've done 102 episodes as of this month, it's pretty crazy. Can't believe I've been doing it for this long. I'm getting old, David, but I'm still doing it. Hey, that's a tough class, man. You just got to keep on pushing forward and staying positive all the time. Heck yeah, man. Well, thank you. Thank you for being on, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no, thanks for having me, man. And guys, as always, you can always find this episode on, on iTunes, Spotify, and every other major podcasting outlet. And uh, this is Dave Figueroa. And remember, if I can do it, so can you.